you know, we just like to have fun because this, let's be honest, it, it, we have fun. That way, the tr- you know, it's just simple to be authentic and genuine and honest and you aren't all clammed up and nervous because we just, me and Stewie are goofy. You know, we, he's a little bit more than me, but um, we just like to have fun and, um, and ask questions like two old friends we are, okay? So, Stuart Parnell, tell me a little bit about your life uh, growing up. Where are you from and how old you are? Some of the basic stuff real quick. Uh, I grew up in Miller, Missouri. I was a Miller? Yeah. Oh, no. 600 people. Sorry about that, guys. So Woo! did I. I'm just kidding. I'm a yeah. Miller boy, too. I can't say nothing. All right, go ahead, Stewie. Uh, I'm 23. I uh, grew up on a small little farm. So tell me about this. Uh, 600 people. You grew up in Miller. Um, tell me about school a little bit. Tell me about your life as a Miller Cardinal. Uh, I pretty much, uh, from the time I was in third grade, I pretty much played every single sport. Super talented, um, weren't you? Yeah, just played every single sport that, I mean, for sometimes, like when I kind of got into junior high and stuff, my parents had to force me to play some sports, you yeah. know, and. I kind of started fighting them. I was like, oh, I, went, I just want to play this one sport. And they're like, no, you got to play all of them. And you were a little rebellious? Or? Yeah, I started again. Is yeah, this true? I, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I, quit, right. I quit playing baseball when I was uh, after Little League. After Little League? All right. So tell me about this. Um, you uh, raised in the Bible Belt, like a lot of us here. Um, yes. I mean, you were raised in church. You were raised getting your backside whooping. Right? I mean, yeah. you, you, like, let's just be yeah, honest. No like, each, each testimony's got a little bit different of a flair to it. That way we can all kind of yeah. relate or communicate or we, we hear it and we're like, oh, that applies to my nephew or my niece or, oh, okay, I understand this now. So I'll, I'll kind of park on each subject sometimes and pull it out and, like, deliver it for the crowd to kind of digest it some, okay? So you were raised in church. You know, you were raised right and wrong. So tell me about kind of what direction your life started kind of. We started making Stewie choices instead of Christ choices. I'd probably have to be when I was around uh, getting in. I was around 11, 12, maybe. Okay. Um, I started getting to where, you know, of course, you know, I was about to be a teenager. Yeah. You know, 13, woohoo. 13 going on 30. Yeah, right. Any parents re- know what that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, you know, I just I, <laughs> I started, you know, uh, Literally, just I wanted to rebel against every single, okay. everything that my parents was a part of. You know what I mean? And how old are you right now? 23. You're 23 years old. Okay. So you get through school. You graduate high school? Yeah. Okay. Bar- barely. Kind of, yeah. It was a push. <laughs> we, we got You got him through. Okay. Yeah. All right. So tell me about this, Stuart. Once you finished high school, what happened then? What was going on in your life? How, I mean, because it led to an addiction. Um, I mean, let's get to the dark a little bit and then... When I, when I graduated high school, I didn't really um, kind of made a – I was I was planning on going to, of course, you know, I was wanting to do what I wanted to do. Okay. I wanted to go off to Columbia College with a buddy of mine. Okay. Uh, made a last-minute decision to go to Evangel Okay. Um, here in Springfield. Um, made it about three months there, and then they kicked me out. Okay. Um, got caught doing some stuff downtown. Okay. Um, Bad choices. Yeah. Consequences. Yeah, just, you know, just – I went went to go and evangel with like the I mean I, you know. I just went with the wrong attitude. I Let didn't want anything part of what they was doing. Because there. I know your your testimony pretty personal. Okay, um, would you say that uh, you chose friends that you knew better not to be around? Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Now let me ask you this: How long have you been in the program? 
I think going on four months. I kind of lost count. After yeah, that first I think month. we're almost at five, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, we're getting close. I I, so. Not that I'm counting, but um, so tell me about this. You came into the program five months ago. I remember your first week here. Um, I, can we talk about that moment? Is that cool? I remember sitting in one of our classes, and I knew he was raised in the church. I knew it. You know, I, I know this. I know him. You know, I know his family real well, and so I knew that. Uh, you know, the word says you raise a child. You know. He'll return. It's, just what, it's what the word says, and the word doesn't return void. So I knew that there were seeds in that heart. But he looked at me one, one moment in one of my classes, and a lot of the guys here probably remember this moment. And I felt that the spirit just hit, hit me. And I, uh, and I looked at Stuart, and, and you know, we had a conversation in front of all the guys, all 40 of the guys or whatever. And Stuart's like, I just, I don't know if I believe. I don't know if I believe. And he was almost afraid to admit this to me, but this is the truth, that your heart sometimes becomes so hardened that we aren't, being, we aren't dealing in honesty. You know what I mean? And right then, I, the spirit goes, he's going to get it tonight. He's going to get it. And, and, you know, and what happened is there was a layer, a layer that was just taken off of his heart because he, he, for once, was being honest again. He said, I don't know if I believe. And I go, now, now we're talking. Now God can deal with that hardened heart of yours. And, and I left it right there. I just parked it. I said, all right, it's up to you, God. I was obedient. And tell us what happens, Stewie. You've been here on four, going on five months. So tell us about your transformation now. Uh, yeah, you know, after, after that class, I mean, I, I, knew, I immediately knew, you know, some weight. Had been, I mean, for real, like I felt like I lost 10 pounds when we left, the, Glory when to left God. that class. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, of course, you gave me the reading challenge. Uh -huh. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Amen. And, um, you know, that night, you know, I went through the rest of the day, you know, going and working the rest of the classes. And I'm just kind of like, you know, you know, once we got out of your class, I kind of went back into, you know, just everything was going in one out, yeah. one ear out the other. You know what I mean? Okay. And, uh, and that night, you know, I uh, I was just sitting in my room and, you know, I just kind of picked up the Bible and I'm like, you know, you know, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this reading challenge. Yeah. You know, and uh, that still small voice in my head was Praise like, you know. God. Uh, don't read it in your dorm. You know, yeah. you're, too many people is going to come try to distract you. Yeah. You know, you need to read. You know, just you need to go somewhere else. Amen. Uh, so I, you know, walked, left the dorm, walked up to the sanctuary. Little did I know that you, you know, but we were having church. Guys were in there. We were having church. They were praying. <laughs> they, yeah, they were. Just, it was getting down. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I walked in there and I kind of just sat, you know, about five rows back from where they was all praying and stuff and. I was kind of just sitting there with my head down, you know, you know, not knowing how to pray or anything, just, you know, couldn't figure it out. And I, all it took was just one dude to come and just lay his hand on me. And I mean, it's instantly I was able, man, I was Amen. praying like I had not prayed in, you know, Praise God. eight, nine, ten years. All right. So I let mean, me ask you this, Stuart. And I call him Stewie if it's throwing anybody off. But uh, Stewie, um, tell me the one major difference in your life now versus all the other times maybe you tried to stop using or tried to make your life better what's different i'm just i got my joy back man i'm Praise happy God. i'm you know uh just energetic you know about everything i'm Amen. not just you know going around hating everything you know i mean i we used to go around just hating everything not everybody everything right. you know what i mean and you know now i'm i mean you know, when I get down, I'll, I'll, you know, find something to make me happy. You know what I mean? I, I laugh now, you know. Praise I, God. I didn't laugh very much uh, before, and, you know, I laugh 
all the time now. I got to point out one thing real quick. Um, so I, uh, something pretty drastic has changed in his life since he's been in the program. Okay, what what happened? You had a baby. Oh yeah, yeah my yeah, son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my son's here. All right, I was so sure this is why this works because sure I, I don't page. forget. And so, not only did there God bring him to a place where he could be surrendered to his knees, he's standing in the gap for his son. That way, he will pass on a yeah. heritage of faith and righteousness, and he will be delivered in the name of Jesus. Stewart, you got something to fight for, bro. That's something to fight for. All right. That's something to fight for, man. When those tough days come, and when they come, they're coming. You're going to hit tough days. You remember that child right there that you're fighting for, that you're fighting for, that generational curses are broken in the name of Jesus, that the, the seeds of righteousness that you sow, that child will inherit. One thing, there's somebody out here listening that's got somebody that's struggling that they love, but they don't know how to talk to them, and they, they turned a blind eye to it. Tell them one thing that's on your heart, one thing that, they could, that could help them. One thing I would say, and, and, you know, going through this program has been the one thing that just keeps me going, and I always have to, you know, keep telling myself this is just, I mean, just trust in the Lord and, uh, for everything, you know what I mean? It don't, it don't matter if you don't, if you don't know the next step, because that's what I struggle with, not knowing what's going to happen, you know, not knowing what's coming next, you know what I mean? And, you know, just trust in Him for everything, you know what I mean? But I, I got to tell you this, and... Um, this is something real special for you. This, I feel like this is going to be special right here for some reason. Uh, thank God for praying grandmas. Thank God for praying grandmas and mamas. You know what I'm saying? Give them a hand clap. Come on. Give them something good. Come on. All right. So, this, oh, man, we're having church. This is good. This is good. It's, it's good for me. So, I know it's good for y'all. So. Uh, you know, this next guy I want to invite up, you know, uh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to call him family. Uh, but not, e not even that I'm blessed to call him family. He's my, you know, my cousin. Uh, I'm blessed just to, to know that, that what God has planned for this young man uh, that I get to be part of. You know what I mean? So, Jake, will you, will you come to the stage, please? Jake Smidley. <laughs> yeah, they don't yell like that for me. I don't know what the difference is, but <laughs> it's, it's a haircut, be honest. You're supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> All right, Jake Smithley, tell me about yourself, man. You, you, where'd you grow up? Just tell us a little bit. Of, you know, some people don't know you, so let's go into that. I, I grew up in Mount Vernon, Missouri. Okay. So just down I-44. Okay. Uh, born and raised there. Okay. Um, went to school there. Yeah. Until about my sophomore year. Okay. Moved in with my dad. Okay, so... You know, Jake Smidley, again, I know, I know his story real personal. And I feel like, uh, you know, sometimes I feel the direction of the testimonies is, is kind of school and upbringing because it's good for family members to see that even though they've done right, sometimes it takes a season of a praying grandma, uh, of a praying family member. It takes a, a decade or it takes five years for those prayers to grab hold of that person and pull them out of that darkness and fire that, that uh, your prayers aren't going unanswered. But, Jake, you've got an anointing on your life that's that's... It's, it's incredible. And let's just, let's just be honest for a second, okay? You've been searching most of your life on how to place that anointing in the God-sized outlet that he created you to find. I mean, that's just real right there. All right, man? I, and I got I to gotta tell you this, and I know we're publicly, but, you know, we're, we're right here, bro, that 
there's something that's got to come out of the inside of you that's going to change uh, uh, an entire county of people, an entire city of folks. And uh, I'm just so thankful to, to be close with you and call you my family. But um, I think tonight you just need to let a little bit off of your heart. You know, not your upbringing, not the challenges you overcome, but that fire that God placed inside your heart, what God's been speaking to you. You know, in that quiet time that you've been spending with him, you've been sacrificing, it's time to let it out a little bit. So just give us a word in your heart, man. So, I mean, my whole life, <clears throat> I was just trying to be happy. You know, it's like I had, I had it all from a young age, but it wasn't, it didn't satisfy. And so I, like you said, I was searching for something. And there was something inside of me that just <clears throat> wanted more, you know. I just felt like I, there was something else, and I could never find it. I could never find it in anything that I did, <clears throat> you know, drugs, alcohol, women, whatever. I could never find happiness. And, you know, being raised in church is what I came back to. And uh, once I really grasped, concept because there's things I've learned there's things that I've been taught but I didn't learn that makes sense yeah I heard a lot in one ear and out the other <clears throat> but when I finally got it you know and it's really like that uh, moment and I can't explain it to you but I got my joy back whenever I whenever I really finally submitted my life to God yeah, come on. And that was the hardest thing to do. Because in life, I just, I relied on myself, yeah. you know, and other people, and never God. And so, like Stu said, it's a hard thing trusting God. Yeah. No, Knowing what's next. It's a hard thing just saying, okay, God, you know what? Yeah. I believe that you're going to provide for me. I believe that you're going to make a way for me. I believe, I believe, and no matter what happens, you have to keep trusting and that just brings joy. Brings joy to me. So I think uh you know, just that that word that I spoke a minute ago and I know God told me when I got here, just coming back to that first love. That first love, you know, that rich, deep anointing love and when you come in contact with the cross and you know it's just it's transformed you. Yeah. And uh it's transformed you, bro. It's changed you. You've come in contact with the cross the power of the cross and uh i always teach this to the guys because it's something god taught me that it's it's coming to the cross which is absolutely critically important but uh you know consistency requires that you give away that which you received at the cross to others you, you don't get to hold what you've been given it's not yours to keep the only way that this continues to work is you keep giving away what you received at the cross too many people spend their lives trying to pursue the gifts and not giving other people the giver. Yeah. You gotta let that sink in for a second. Mm -hmm. You know, our hearts become hardened. We become very, uh, you know, I become I become very religion religious in, in the way I act and behave when I know that I'm not giving people Jesus. I'm giving them the prettiest version of Brandon. And so, uh, you know, I'm just vulnerable up here with you guys. And so, Jake Smidley, you have so much talent. And the burden of carrying that talent is overwhelming unless you put it at the foot of the cross first. Mm -hmm. How 
do you give other people encouragement in doing that? How, what's that process look like? Good question. <laughs> Man, I, I know that in this journey yeah. that I'm taking, there's been a lot of ups and downs, you know? And I always thought there was something else, like there was some kind of golden nugget, Amen. some kind of secret in life that if I found, you know, Come on. and I'm searching and everything, I mean, depths of history and, you know, just crazy stuff. But like you said, when you come back to the cross, oh, that's it right there. And you realize that your soul, which lives forever, is saved. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like when this this flesh that we're in isn't who we actually are. Right. You know what I'm saying? We have there's a soul, there's light down inside of you, yeah. and when you die, that lives forever. Forever. And the only way that's happened is through the cross. And so when you realize that, you don't search is over. Praise God. What are you searching for if you've already found it? You found it, haven't you? God. Praise God. <laughs> Give him a hand. Come on. Come on. That's good right there. Shake Smithy. All right, all right. So um, I knew that was going to go a little bit different. He's got a testimony, and, and I, I know this is kind of like he was here before I, we got him. And so, you know, I just, I know you guys got to see a good version of him, and I'm just so uh, amazed at the kind of work that God does in people. You know, like, Jake, Jake, how long have you been here now? Five months. Five months, and uh, it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful that once people are submitted and surrendered on their knees and, and, and they're just looking at the cross every day, they don't have time to look around and wonder what the world thinks of them. Because the cross and all of its beauty is so uh, encompassing. And it, it, it surrounds you and forces you to stay in submission. And so if you stay on your knees with your eyes at the cross, you have no time to care about what the world thinks. You know what I mean? And, and that's where he's at. It's so beautiful. Uh, you know, Sticks, come, come on up, man. Come on up. Let's, let's get into Sticks' little testimony, you know. And let's see what he, he's got to say. Um, and I'm sorry, we, call, we have nicknames. We just got nicknames, and y'all just going to have to hear them because uh, I, I will tell myself, no, be proper, say their name. and that pr- I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to try because I'm not good at it. But Sticks, uh, we, uh, explain how you got the name Sticks, by the way. I don't, I don't even understand how this happened. Well, obviously, you know, I'm 6'6 six, six and weigh 180 pounds. I've been thin my whole life. My dad gave me the nickname probably when I was about three or four years old. All right. Well, that, that works in. All right, so Sticks, tell me a little bit about about yourself and let's I need to do something real quick this, this is his first time doing this so can we give him just a crazy round of applause just to make him feel comfortable yeah <laughs> hey it's your moment you ready sticks tell me about your life where'd you grow up tell me a little bit about that I grew up in Walnut Grove I uh lived there my whole life uh small farm my grandparents owned a farm we raised registered limousine and Angus okay uh I grew up showing cows all right working yeah, you're a country boy at the finest, right? Okay. So uh, tell me about, like, raised in church, kind of what, what was going on in that in, in early childhood. Were you raised in the church? Yeah, I was raised in church, but then uh, whenever we got a little bit older, I've got a brother that's a year younger than me, and uh, we was both pretty pretty athletic, I guess you'd say. And yeah. We was just gone every weekend Okay. playing basketball and baseball out of state, just okay. gone. We wasn't there. So. Let me ask you about this. Uh, how old are you? 
You're 30 years old, okay? And how long have you been at the Dream Center? Uh, two months, November 1st. All right, so 60 days. 60 days. Let's back up uh, just a little bit. So you, you get out of high school, and tell me a little bit about your addiction and kind of where it began. Well, I, I thought I was going to go play sports after I graduated. I had, you know, several offers, offers to play sports, and uh, I decided I didn't want to do that. I was done with school, uh, so I went to work, and I've always had a pretty good job. You know, I was a welder, so I always made decent money. So uh, just like anybody says, you know, once you have money, you find a way to spend it. Yeah. And I found a way to spend it. Okay. Were you serving God at that point? Uh, in and out, I was, but I wasn't connected. I okay. Mean, Okay. So uh, tell me a little bit about uh, your process getting to the Dream Center. What was going on the last year or two before? Uh, I was bad in my addiction. Uh, I was, you know, one of my best friends, he always told me, he said, you know, I know when you're doing bad because you're not around. Yeah. And that I was the same way with my family. You know, I just kind of left them high and dry. Okay. I was, I traveled, so I was in California pretty much about the last two years before I came to Dream Center. I was once again, just wrapped up my addiction out there. and uh, shape. Yeah. And then uh, one day I called one of my girlfriends. I mean, not my literal girlfriend. Yeah, literally. your friends that are girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I told her, you know, I'm, I was in Springfield at the time, and I'd had something, a little deal happen, and I was, you know, I was just told myself, you know, I was done. Okay. And so I, luckily, whenever I called her, I was going to get a ride home, and uh, she was like two or three minutes away from me. Glory to God. And uh, she came and picked me up. and. Come on. Uh, Come on, that's good. I told her on the way home, you know, I said, you know, this is one of the best ones I've had in a long time. You know, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay. I'm headed home. Amen. Amen. So tell me about this. I, I, um, 60 days at the Dream Center, and I'm, I'm just actually having a memory, you know, a flashback, because I, I remember the moment God touched him, and it was amazing. So tell us about that night a little bit. Well, actually, it was earlier that day in Brandon's class, and uh, all of a sudden, Lord told me, he said, you know, stop everything going on, not stop class. That's, you guys remember that class? I, it was in the middle of a pretty good class we had going on, and he goes, wait, 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 hold on a minute, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, and I'm like, well, you did, what's going on, bro, you know, like, what is it? And you said, I, I gotta get saved, is that fair? Yeah, I'd uh, already been saved when I was younger, but I had to redo it. Amen, alright, alright, so, and then tell us about that night, what, what happened that night? Well, it was a Monday night, so we had prayer meeting, Okay. and, uh, it was really, the, I mean, I prayed a lot, you know, but it was really the first time I'd ever got stuck in prayer. Praise God. I mean, it was, you know. Stay I, stuck. Yeah, I had my head down for like two hours, and I didn't even realize it, and I look up, and I'm the only one in the sanctuary still. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, something hit me, and he told me, he said, you got to get to the river. you got to get old feet wet and get old baptized again. Yeah. Yeah, it was cold. It was cold. <laughs> it was cold. It was real cold. It, it, who all went with us? You guys, a couple of us went. We all got in the river that night and got baptized. Yeah, so we, uh, unfortunately, the videos look like a frat party, I was told, but uh, would you expect anything different from a group like us? We just, we're the wild ones. So tell me one thing. Uh, I mean, you, you, you grew up pretty solid, pretty, pretty solid home, kind of in the church, then fell out a little bit. Tell us a little bit about how would we have communicated to a sticks back in your addiction? Maybe there's a family member here that, that's got a good old boy like yourself. How do, I mean, how, how do they communicate to you with something that, that they sh somebody could have done maybe to help communicate properly to you back in the day, and just uh, just remind them, you know, that you know there is grass that's greener on the other side, but it's Jesus that's Whew. he's the best. I mean, praise God. I tried everything, you know, to get out of my addiction, and uh, only thing that's ever done is God. Amen.
That's just simple. That's simple, and that's good. Come on, give him a hand. That's really good. That's really good. All right, give me a hand. Well, I, uh, it's, it's good, isn't it? I mean, it's just so simple. It's Jesus. Like, it's Jesus. And, and I think a lot of times, like I said earlier, we, we overcomplex the, the problems of this life. You know, and uh, this is something that it happened a couple times ago when we did an outreach. But um, there may be some people in here that are like, oh, these stories are great. And, you know, wow, it's really powerful seeing how God moves. But I don't struggle with people personally connecting with me that struggle with addiction. Okay? And it's a lot of times I hear this. Like, the stories are great and they're powerful and they move people and their hearts are softened. But they're like, I don't really have anybody in my life that's struggling with addiction. So how is this? How can I apply this message tonight? This is what I encourage you. Um, Sticks actually has a, a grip of applications. We have printed out a bunch of applications to the Freedom Dream Center. If, if every one of us took one of those applications and kept them in our pocket, our purse, or our car, and as you're driving around Springfield, you're going to see that person that sleeps outside or that person who struggles in addiction or that person that's, uh, that's, not, that, you know, that's been strung out for a while and hadn't talked to their family, pray over this application pull over to tell them Jesus loves you and this is a place that will help you. And you give them an application to the Freedom Dream Center because you do have an answer. You do have a solution because I'm going to tell you this. I, I get guilty of this myself. I'm driving and I see that person standing with the sign and what do I do? I start checking my phone or I start playing with the radio or I'm praying like I'm being spiritual or something. I've gotten a blind eye a lot of times myself to those people. And so we have to stay because it was one of us at one time. It was me at one time that needed somebody to, to stand in the gap for me when I couldn't stand myself. And somebody had to stand in the gap for me and go, I, there's hope, Brandon. There's hope. And it just, it just so happens that the Freedom Dream Center is a place uh, where we can show them some hope and introduce them to Jesus. So you're going to run into this person. You're going to see this person. You're going to have the opportunity to give them one of our applications. After hearing the life transformation stories tonight, you're going to have an opportunity to come in contact with somebody that needs some help. And so that's all I ask for your hearts to be sensitized uh, to, to potentially what God is trying to do through this meeting tonight. And so, um, all right, so next I want to invite Mike. Mike, uh, come on up. Give him, a, give him a hand clap, please. All right, Mike, tell me. Tell me a little bit about your life. But, you know, tell me where you're from first. I'm from uh, upstate New York. Upstate New York. Okay. So um, tell me about what upstate New York, you know, New York is like. Life tell me, is tell me little, growing up there. a little bit different. Okay. You know, a little bit different than here. It's, everything's more close together. Okay. There's a lot more, uh, lot more people. Okay. Tell me about your family life. My family, my, my mom and dad, uh, my, my mom was an angel. Still is not that she's dead, but, you know, just that she's never been in trouble, never. A saint. Yep. No, never even been pulled over. You know. So she's That's a good woman. My, my dad, on the other hand, he was a, a biker. He did drugs. Still does drugs, drinks. Tough you know, guy. So, yeah, so when, you know, they split up when I was like probably six years old. Okay. But um, my mom, she worked you know, 12 hour shifts at a hospital. Is it fair to say this right here? Uh, I, I, we're going to park right here just for a second, and I want you guys to think about this. Is it fair that you were raised in generational curses? Oh, 
Definitely. Okay. Definitely. So a lot of the bad behavior you learned probably from your father. Is that fair yeah. to say? Yeah. So when we say generational curses, it's nothing more than learned behavior patterns. You know, he just repeated what dad showed him. Is, is that fair? Yeah. Um, and, you know, both my grandfathers, they were both alcoholics too. So they were always in the bars, you know. Generation, generation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How it skipped my mom, I don't know. She just got uh Sometimes. Yeah, she, she believed in Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. a long time ago. And then after the divorce and stuff, she kind of turned away from him. Because, you know. She was hurt. She was very hurt. Okay. Tell me about your life a little bit. New York to Missouri. How, how, how does this all happen? Oh, I guess around like uh, 96, 97, my grandfather moved out here. Okay. He got diagnosed with cancer. Okay. My mom's a, a nurse, so she moved out here to take care of him. Okay. So that was around like 98, I think. Okay. And then, uh, you know, after they left, they left. You know, she left me with the house and all that stuff, and I just was no good. Yeah. Like, it got into a lot of trouble. Okay. Now, did a lot of bad things. I, um, you've, you've done some time. Is that right? Yep. Uh, where I, what, tell me a little bit about that experience. Uh, let's see, like 2011. Okay. I got in some trouble in Branson. Okay. In Springfield. Okay. So I did, uh, like, all 12. 13, 14, most of 15 in prison. Incarcerated. Yep, I got out uh, September 29th, 2015. Okay. I made uh, 60 days reporting on parole. Okay. And then uh, 30 days on the run. I turned myself in. Okay. A bad car accident. Stole, stole a truck. Okay. Had it for like 10 minutes. Whew. Got to a bad accident right over in, in Bodart. All right. Not far from Hoods. So, okay, tell me about this. Uh, how long have you been at the Dream Center? Uh, since, since May. Since May. Yep. So how old are you? 38. 38 years old. Um, this, this is something that, uh, this is like the transformational power of God because the man that's sitting here is not the man that came in in May. Not even close. Not e- I mean, not even uh, a twinkle of, the, maybe some physical resemblance just because, you know, he, He's just staying this handsome and never getting more handsome. But, you know, it's just the, just the truth, bro. But, uh, but the, the transformation on the inside of him has been so crazy that um, he has such a hardened heart because of the way the world, the, the hand that was dealt to you. Yeah. Is that fair to say it that way? Now, tell me, t- give us a little bit of hope. What, why is, how is there hope that a man like you that grew up, that grew up in generational and generational of alcoholism and, and drug use and bikers and, that, and crime and, and prison, and how is it possible in six months that you're a completely different human being? I mean, it, it's, hard, it's hard because, uh, you know, when you go to prison, even, like Green County isn't a bad place, Green County Jail, okay. you can find God in there, yeah. okay? But once you go to prison, it's all different. It's a little bit different. It's hard to keep track of God. Okay. You know what I mean? And I just prayed to him, and he got me out quick this time, and I got into the Freedom Dream Center. And really, if it wasn't for the Freedom Dream Center and all the love and them loving you to life. <laughs> God's good. It would, it would be nothing for me. I would just be going right backwards again. Would you say that there were people in your life that had lost hope that you would ever change? On me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, lots. Lots. Tell me about that family restoration a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Uh, especially like my sister. You know, yeah. me and her have a, have a wonderful relationship. It's like it, nothing ever happened. Praise you know God. I mean? It's just all. Because all things are new yeah. through Christ, right? All things are new. Yep. All things are new. Yep, all things are new. Gosh, I'm so proud of him. That's awesome. Come on, give him a hand.
I, uh, oh man, what a blessing. Gosh, we just, God, God's presence is here, you know, and he's just, he's so honored that these are lives fully surrendered for, to him. And this is something I, I, I always remind myself about, that a life fully surrendered to Christ, Christ takes responsibility for. You know, and it's, it's we, we, we try to go to the cross sometimes, holding on to a little bit of baggage. It's like we, we, you know, we carry this bag of trash, but I'm at the cross, God, I'm at the cross. I'm at the cross, and we, got, we want to carry this. And, and, and what God says is, he goes, let me have that bag of trash. Let me have this, and I'm going to give you everything, Stuart. I'm going to give you everything. Just let me, let, me, let me take that off your back. You don't have to carry it anymore. It was never yours to carry. You know, and he wants us just to fully surrender everything that we, we're carrying and, and just come to the cross empty-handed. That way he can fill us up. He can sustain us. He can, he can, his name can be glorified through us because in six months, this isn't humanly possible that he's this transformed. It's not possible that these transformations happen. It's not possible. So, um, all right, guys, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to wrap up with one more, one more uh, real personal story here. And it's, it's not easy. Um, but uh, it's just, it's real and it's authentic. And uh, that's all that I hope that you guys can t- to feel tonight is that it's authentic. This isn't, you know, this isn't uh, glamorized. This isn't overly rehearsed. It's just the presence of God hopefully speaking to people. So um, I'm going to read you a letter. This letter is from a mother of a student from the Freedom Dream Center. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it just, it, it talks a little bit about the war that we truly are facing. Okay? And so, um, let's, let, we're going to do this. I'm going to read this letter for you. And so this letter was written from uh, a mother of a student from the Freedom Dream Center. <clears throat> As many of you know, my son, Jeremy Rains passed away earlier this year on March 11th. Jeremy was full of life. He had a -a one-of-a-kind personality. Jeremy had the ability to change the atmosphere in a room with his unique humor. His laugh was infectious. Jeremy was always in a good mood. He had a passion for football and his favorite team was the Oakland Raiders. Jeremy was in love with his wife Amy and their beautiful children. But as so many people do, Jeremy struggled with addiction. Jeremy started with opiates and painkillers, muscle relaxers. This eventually led to him trying heroin. Heroin had taken a uh, toll on Jeremy, and he was held in bondage by the drug. One day, his drug use had pushed him too far, and his family, they brought him to the Freedom Dream Center in Aurora. At the Freedom Dream Center, a school of ministry and addiction recovery facility, Jeremy gained his happiness and zeal for life back. Jeremy had discovered a relationship with God that he had never thought was possible. Jeremy had even been nicotine-free for multiple months. Jeremy had planned on staying in Aurora and being close to the church and church family. Jeremy had been clean for six months before his addiction had crept back up in his life. I'm going to park there. Some of you are at four and six months, and I'm speaking to, to us right now. Even though we're at a church, I'm speaking to us in this room, okay, the, the students in this room, that uh, don't lose sight of what's at, what's at stake. 
Don't lose sight of what you've been brought out of. Be reminded of how hungry you have to stay pursuing Christ. Stay, be reminded of this. Don't allow this to fall on deaf ears. Jeremy had been clean for six months before his addiction crept back up in his life. One weekend on, on a pass at home with his kids and his wife in Springfield, Jeremy came in contact with somebody that was using drugs. And somehow Jeremy decided to, he would try heroin one more time. Jeremy overdosed and was pronounced dead from a drug overdose that March 11th day this year. We received a phone call this week from the lab, the results of what was in his system, when he died. Jeremy died from a lethal dose of heroin and fentanyl. The heroin was most likely part of the same batch of heroin that was going around southwest Missouri, and it was laced with fentanyl. My family and I are heartbroken, but staying strong in our faith with God. This pain would be impossible to go through if we did not have the confidence that Jeremy had committed his life to Jesus Christ, is now in heaven looking down and rejoicing that he no longer struggles. As Jeremy's mother, there's one thing I have to do in order to begin healing properly. I have to offer forgiveness to the person that sold or gave or shared those drugs with Jeremy that ultimately cost Jeremy his life. I have to extend to you the same kind of grace that God offers all of us. Forgiveness of our shame. I do this in hopes of two things. Number one, that my pain does not go without having a purpose. And number two, my family and I begin to heal. Whoever you are, that you no longer live as a lost person in darkness, but turn your life over to Jesus Christ to live the rest of your life honoring the commitment that Jeremy made to show others the grace and love that Jesus Christ offers. I forgive you. I would even extend my hand out to you for you to contact me and let me lead you to the Lord. If you would allow me that sort of peace to know that Jeremy's death would result in you finding a life worth living in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says this. It says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. In love, Cindy Ray. Cindy Ray's with us this evening, and I just want to invite her up to the stage because this is what we do. We assign purpose for our pain. Cindy, if you'll come on up, give her a hand clap. I, I don't know about you guys, but what kind of courage does it take to be a woman like this? this it was March this year. March this year, she lost her son to this fight. But he, he, he doesn't feel pain no more. You know, he doesn't have that pain, that burden. He, she, he doesn't carry that any longer. And so Cindy, not love you. <laughs> um, you know, what, you got you to gotta, you gotta explain a little bit. How, how do you find the energy to have such purpose for this pain? 
What is it that drives you through this? Through the pain, because it's painful and it's not going to stop being painful. You know, that's just this world, that's just this life we deal with. But how do you find the purpose? How do you wake up and assign purpose? What is your mission? You know, I just have to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And these students are the purpose for my pain. (laughs) You know, every graduation, every student that graduates from that program, I love you guys. Amen. And I need you to graduate. I need you to do good. I need you to share God's love with each and every person you run run into, every person you come into contact. That's so good. Because Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy our families. It's real. The war's real. Like, we're really at a war. And I, I know that some of us get desensitized to this, but this is real. And this is what we're fighting and you guys have an opportunity tonight to, to leave this place and never, ever look back. You can be different. You can be changing. You can exist on fire on a purpose of a life worth living. And so I, uh, I want to invite all my Dream Center students just to stand up front right here with us. Everybody that came with us, part of the program. And uh, I want, uh, she's going to play, this, this song just hits me hard. And uh, she's going to play Amazing Grace. And I would appreciate it if everybody just made their way through and loved on these students and loved on Miss Cindy a little bit and, 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 and shook their hands but more than anything if we just all as a sign of surrender can come up to the altar and just worship Jesus together and let's let's say hi to the students and let's just bathe in the, the glory of Christ together and, and worship together so I invite you guys up if Brother Paul if you want to lead them
Is my-